welcome into the Grasscutter Social Club, a social club for the everyman. If you've ever wondered what three average guys and maybe that other random dude are buzzing about after the lawns are all mowed, this is the spot for you. Now here are your hosts, Branko, Burl, and Ron. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are, episode seven. We got the three of us back again. I got Branko and Ron, of course, holding it down with me. But tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Paul is joining us. Paul, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Ryan. Thanks. It's an absolute honor to be on this podcast. I've, been, I've listened to every episode. I get super excited when they come out. You guys are doing a wonderful job. That's awesome. We're glad to have you. And it's been nice. We've caught up a, a couple times with you, and you've always mentioned it to us. It's so much fun having somebody that listens on with us. Branks, how you doing, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm running a little late here, boys, eating a pot, eating a burrito while we're, we're beginning to record. So apologies in advance if uh, <laughs> you heard some gurgling. Uh, but I'm doing great, man. It's always a thrill uh, to do this. And I'm, I'm so thrilled to have Paul on the podcast with us this week. To, to bust your balls, I intend on asking you a question every time you have your mouth full. So. <laughs> Noted. Yeah, exactly. Noted. And Ron, buddy? You got yourself a tall beer mm-hmm. and a nice spot to sit. <laughs> That's right. How you doing? Real good. Good to see you, boys. All right, man. That reno hasn't taken any years off your life. A few hairs off your head. Oh, it's probably taking some hair off the top of my head for sure. But uh, no, it's going well. It's going okay. Connor's been a huge help. That's awesome, man. Ron, you were you were saying um, you're back on the ice, back in the rink. Did you uh, did you have a game yet? Last night. Yeah, last night, dusted off the skates, got out there. Uh, I think it was the first time in eight years playing an organized men's league game. So, wow, yeah, eight years, yeah. And I had Ron, Ron tell the fan to tell the fans what you found your in your uh, hockey bag <laughs> after like de de dusting it after eight years of not using it. I found a, a stack of $10 off meal coupons at uh, Broadway's. And we had, a, <laughs> we had a good exchange on our baseball team thread with uh, with Mike, the owner there, of course. So, no, it was a s- sweet discovery. And that, yeah, so 2013, they expired. So that was probably a little before my last game anyway. That's amazing. Good, good little artifact to remember the last time you played hockey because that's when you <laughs> zipped up your bag and stuffed it in like a... A deep, dark closet, never to be seen again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's right. So, Ron, I got a question for you about that. How does your playing change now that you're, uh, you know, not in your peak years anymore? And there's, there's guys in the NHL who are older than us, right? Oh, yeah. But they, but they were like, you know, it's not, it's not the same, right? I heard mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky was on a, a podcast, and he said he tried skating when he was like 55 or something like that. And he said he was afraid to fall, and he hasn't skated since. He's like, oh, "Wow, that's it. I can't. I can't do it." And that's the end of it. I, the idea of like skating and having some guy like just like <laughs> smash into me at like eighty miles an hour is terrifying. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh man, it what like it felt good to be skating again. Uh, I had to play defense, which I didn't really do a lot of, even when I played often. And so I found myself like kind of out of sorts a little bit in the corners. I didn't know where I was. And like your hands, my hands were like fucking boulders. They were just rocks. There wasn't any softness to them at all. So that was, 
that took a bit to get used to, like just even moving the puck a little bit. But by the end of the game, it, it was friggin' sweet to be back out there, man. Amazing. Don't you find, Ron, the like when you've been away for so long, the game feels so fast, even though you know you've played at a level that's higher than the speed you're probably playing at. It just everything happens because you haven't touched a puck. You're like trying to look down, find it, mm-hmm. trying to look for a guy to like dish it to. And it's just like, oh man, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, the things you took for granted when we were in our 20s, like just some nice sauce up the middle to a guy, like just things like just. <laughs> It took forever to even offload a puck that I was trying to dump off the glass. Like it was, it was something else. But I think it'll come back a little bit. The hands will come back. I'm sure, I, you know, I don't know. I hope so. I guess. That's amazing, Paul, buddy. Back at school. Yeah, man. Getting the getting the kids packed up and uh, and out the door. Are you feeling good in the classroom? Are you feeling uh, at work? Yes, feeling good. Like, does it take you some time to dust? Dust the old uh, chalk off and get ready to go? Or No, I mean, it's the first year in probably four years that's felt normal, I would say. Because nice. these guys, like, everyone's been dented by COVID. Like, every kid that we're teaching right now is mm. at various ages got hit real hard by that. But it's been a while. Like, last year, there was no at-home stuff. The previous year, there was a bit. And this was the first time where I'm like, okay, everyone kind of knows how to school. And like when they came in, it's always a little crazy, especially the grade nines, but uh, it was good. Like it's been an awesome week and a half so far. And it, it's just, yeah. Nice. Still in the honeymoon period. Everybody's still uh, toeing the line nicely. Yeah. I've had, I've had to discipline a little bit so far. <laughs> My classes are so very laid back, very, I'm not like a, everything has to be just so kind of teacher, but some kids just run with that. I'm like, it's not a free for all, but like, we have to, there's been a, li- a little bit of that. Not too, too, uh, not too bad. That's sweet, man. Paul, are, are all your classes like electives, like the students choose yeah. as a, as the music teacher, yes, like are there other subjects or? Yeah. They're always electives, which is good. Yeah. That, that alone, like, I feel I have, I don't, I got to give respect to the, teachers who were doing all those required courses like math and English and all that stuff. Cause it's just a totally different animal, right? If I'm teaching guitar or something, not every kid absolutely loves guitar that takes that class, but they chose, right? So on some level they may sort of like it where if, it, right. you know, if it's math or English or science or history and all that stuff, you're going to get these kids like, Oh, I don't want to be here. And they're, you know, they feel forced and all that stuff. So that's off to those teachers who make that stuff work for sure. I feel like, mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe you can speak to this if it's happened to you in the past, but when you do end up with those electives as, as a teacher and you've got to cover those, you always get like the ones you like, right? Like, so you got guitar and you got drum and then you got a music class and then, but do you, have you had in the past where you have to do like a, a tech class or like a haircutting class or like, have you gotten a random uh, elective yet? So 2019, uh, when I was like, not quite full-time as a teacher yet my vice principal was really trying to like throw me things and he's like would you like to teach french next semester i was like i shouldn't but if you want me to like sure i'll do i'll do whatever but like you know i I was very like he could feel like the trepidation of my voice or whatever about several different suggestions and then one day i got my schedule and it was business leadership that's what i was given so during covid 
I was given business leadership. I was like, oh my God, I'm like <laughs> not even close to being qualified for that. But it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Like I just kind of made it what I could. Like I focused on the stuff I did know about it. You know, maybe didn't worry too, too much about some of the curriculum points. And uh, there we go. And then COVID hit. So I did the rest of it at home. So that was the one time I got something that absolutely out of left field. That's That's got to be the toughest, right? Is when you get something that you're you're not not prepared for at all yeah you know ryan as a teacher like the hardest thing is when you do something you haven't done before like i'm sure when you get like a grade you've never done like, oh my gosh how am i gonna sort through this but for me if it's that and it's something i have like literally no knowledge of it's pretty daunting but it's kind of part of the gig like any teacher who's been around a long time they'll they'll have a few of those for sure just these random courses i get thrown and make it work yeah wading into those uncomfortable waters yes yeah yes. And Branks, buddy, are you back on the ice yet, or uh, or golfing, or? No, I I I was just sending out uh, a call to to the guys that are like heading up the teams I played on, and I think it's like end of this month it starts. But one of the one of the teams I played on, I think they're going to switch ranks, so I don't know if there's going to be a place for me because I think there's two teams going to merge. Mm. And last year I was kind of like a tack on at the end, so I don't know if uh, I don't know if my on ice performance warrants uh, <laughs> another another one way deal. Uh, so we'll have to see if I'm going to get the callback, which isn't the worst, um, mm. considering like we have a baby coming in February. Like it's it's probably going to be tough to do two two skates a week, so. Maybe it's for the best to we'll just do one skate a week, pretty, and and it's the more casual of the two skates. So I don't need to be getting hurt out there and <laughs> putting it on all on my wife to to take care of one and then potentially two kids. So, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited to get out there. As Ron, I'm sure you attest after being gone for, uh, like from hockey for eight years, that feeling of getting the good like sweat and then having maybe a beer after, or just even going home to sleep, like it's so good. Uh, granted, you probably don't get get to sleep right away because you're kind of got the adre- adrenaline going and your b- blood's flowing. But I, I find most times I sleep really well the, the nights I had hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, did you get a couple uh, new phone, new number, who disc from the team captain there? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't gotten anything. I, I don't even actually deal directly with the team captain. I deal with like an intermediary who like was the guy that brought me on, and he was like, "Yeah, like <laughs> they're merging two teams together." And I was like, "Oh, that's not good." Like oh. we already had good numbers. We already had good numbers last year, and if we're merging two teams, like I feel like I might be the, the odd man out. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe they liked what they saw and they want to bring me back. Uh, being a defenseman is always a, a bit of a a, a notch in my belt because not a lot of guys want to play defense it's kind of like in, a, in men's pickup it's always a throwaway position so oh totally <laughs> excuse me totally. Uh, m- maybe they'll be uh, maybe they'll be like oh let's get that big mule out here again he can <laughs> he can log some minutes and plug up the ice <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure if uh if you don't get taken you should just play up the side that you, you're making the responsible choice for caitlin's behalf and really just Lay that on nice and thick. She'll uh, 
she'll buy that. Yeah, for sure. There's there's many ways to play this. Having kids is a is 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 a blessing in many more ways than just having offspring. It's like they're great for excuses when you don't want to do things. <laughs> you can re you can really use them as some sort of social currency. Yeah. So. So true. Hundred percent. I'll I'll make a way to I'll make I'll make sure to make it worth my while by by not doing the hockey and, and making it seem like I did some really great thing for my family. <laughs> as you should, as you should. Should we get into this, guys? Should we? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, to tonight to start off, we're going to talk a little sports, which I know isn't Paul's foray, and we're going to crack some jokes jokes at his what is that just, yeah exactly I've heard of it. Um, <laughs> but we thought um because we've invited a guest that uh you know has never ran full speed in his life um <laughs> that we would uh <laughs> that we would do a sports for dummies and one thing that that i've been totally confused about but have seen lots of videos on and looks awesome is a golf tournament called the the rider cup and it's played completely differently than normal um, Paul, I saw a video recently and my rugby football hockey mind. Mm -hmm. So it was like a walkout video onto the main first tee. And like, it was actually kind of in an arena. Like there was all of these, there had to be 10,000 seats. What? Really? Uh, and you walked out to the first tee box and there's this huge section of bandstands and it, it sort of chimed in on my football heart, right. Or, or rugby heart to, to love that idea. But um, you guys got to break down how this tournament works because there's a draft, there's picks, there's, uh, then there's teams and singles and points. And I, I don't get it at all. It's not traditional golf. And, uh, and so one of you take it from here. Cause even just what are the teams? Cause. Okay. Uh, I can break it down for you quite quickly. So there's two competitions and it runs like one runs one year and the other runs the other year. So it's every two years for the competition. One is called the president's cup which is all of the world that's not Europe versus the United States. And then the Ryder Cup is all of Europe versus the United States. So basically you get like full representation like every other year in this competition. And it's a team competition where, you know, the 12 best, quote, quote unquote, 12 best uh, Americans take on the 12 best Europeans or 12 best, I guess, in the other instance, um, rest of the rest of the world players and it's yeah it's, it's it's a really cool format where it's not like typical golf where it's just like okay you know you have 140 guys and whoever shoots the lowest score wins the tournament it's more like team play so the first two days friday saturday are two-man teams and two-man competitions and then the last day is all singles which is like one-on-one -on -one matches and uh it, it just kind of makes a very individual sport much more team-based and for that reason it's really exciting and then from another perspective it's really exciting because uh it's countries right like you know people all over europe want to support europe people all over the states want to support the united states and it just kind of brings out this sort of more um team-based competition and that sort of uh you know dynamic uh, Ron, like, do you think I kind of covered it all if, from a pers golf perspective? I know you you know about it quite a bit. Uh, I don't know what I've maybe potentially missed, but I think that's the gist of it. Really and then yeah, uh, it alternates. That's the other thing I forgot to say. Is one year, uh, like like this this particular iteration that's happening this year, it's it's hosted by the Europeans, so they get to choose where it's 
hosted and then the next one around it's the United States and it always alternates. And then the home, the home team always gets to choose how they set up the golf course. So like the last time they played it in Europe, like the Europeans really tricked it out and made it really hard and like made the emphasis on accuracy versus distance, which screwed over the Americans because they were like, had all these guys that could hit it far, but not accurately. And that sort of played into European players' hands. And there's all this stuff, but that's, that's the gist of it. So there's some legit strategy. Oh, tons. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a chess match. Yeah. And and then the other part of it is that uh, each like country, I guess Europe's not a country, but like Europe and the United States, you get six automatic berths based on like the last two years of your performance. So those are guys that are on the team no matter what. But then the last six players are captain's picks on each team, which often there's a lot of controversy if a guy isn't having like a particularly good last year, but he's been like a player that's like typically been really good and played in a lot of these competitions versus a guy who's had a great year that year, but never played in this competition. So you have to kind of decide if you're taking a guy based on previous performance or current form. And, you know, there's a lot of like pundits out there and a lot of, you know, arguments online about who should, who should get the selection. So that that's kind of the fun part of it as well. So who was, there was one controversial pick, right? And then a couple guys left off the American team. I, I read that online for sure. It was, was it Dustin Johnson? Yeah. No, J- Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas. He's like the young, he's like a young, really good player, but just had like, just a one-off really, really kind of sloppy bad year. And they took him. But there was a few guys based on merit should have gotten on. But it's it's like like the captain's picks don't have to be merit. They can be based on like like I said the 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 performance of that player in previous iterations of this. You know uh, the kind of like team room guy. You know there's always those those players on teams that are like glue guys that don't necessarily like. Uh, contribute on the scoreboard as much, but they like bring the team together. There's like great camaraderie. They're like really good at uh, bringing out the best in everybody just by being like good, you know, teammates. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I mean, it's even more complicated, complicated than I am making it out to be, but that's sort of the, the gist of it all. And it's like, it's super fun to watch because it's so different than, you know, your typical golf experience of just cheering for one player or a couple of players that you've seen on TV, you know? Yeah. There's a home and an away. Yeah. And so like all the Americans are going to get chirped so bad and like just the chanting and like the pressure of the putt, like walking up the fairways. It's like the closest thing to like that home and away, just, you know, you're going into the other team's den and like, it's, it's going to, uh, it's it makes for the best like TV golf watching probably. There oh is. yeah! Wow. Okay. I I was gonna say there's definitely some some attraction to like the one on one play for me, um, but I've never really watched it. Um, the other thing I'm curious about is if like okay, so it's one on one, but it's still team. If one guy blows it, like completely blows it, but the rest of the guys on his team mop the floor with like that guy's score doesn't count against the team. Like if he shoots like a 90. No, well, no, it's like, it's, that's the formats that Branko mentioned. Yeah. So like Friday, Friday is the alternate shot. I think Uh, it's, it's both, both days. It's both. So foursomes and four ball. One is like an alternate shot 
competition where like you and your teammate, like I hit a ball, then you hit a ball, then it always alternates. And then foursomes, uh, or sorry, four ball is everybody plays their own ball, but the best score from your team counts as the score for the team. But Ryan, the, the reason that the total score doesn't matter is because it's all match play. So once a particular hole ends, basically the next hole is a new match. So you could really blow, have a terrible blow up hole and make a 10. It doesn't really matter because it's only for that one hole that it mattered, right? Wow. So that that's also why it makes it super interesting is that like yeah. it's not really over till you've won a match, you know, like by a certain amount of holes. Like there's 18 holes, and if I'm up, you know, two holes on you with two to play, you know, you have you have to basically like make something happen on those holes. So you kind of have to be more aggressive. There's a lot of like strategy because it's a different format. It's not just like I'm going out there to shoot the best possible score. There's like strategy, more strategy involved. And so each match represents one point. And I think across the competition, there's 28 points up for grabs. And so the the team that previously won it, uh, they have to get to 14 points to retain the cup and 14 and a half to win it. And the, the visiting team, the team that lost the previous time, uh, I'm pretty sure they can't they they can't get the 14 like the tie goes to the previous like the previous winner keeps the cup if it's a tie, but um, okay. if you, to win it you have need 14 and a half points basically so um, so there's lots and like you said Ryan the buildouts are huge and like instead of cheering for one guy like the crowd is there just for the one team so like typically on the first tee shots, like you were saying, like when it comes out and people are going bonkers, sometimes like the players get the crowd going while they're in their like setup to hit, which is insane. You would never do that during a tournament. Everybody's always so quiet and they're just like riling up the crowd to make noise while you're swinging. And it's like, everybody says the first shot of a Ryder Cup is like the most nervous they've ever been in in their golfing careers because like the energy is so palpable, you know? I mean, Franks and I guess Ron, like, did the waste management open start these buildouts? So Paul, like, I like, there's this golf tournament from Arizona um, that's sponsored by a garbage company, but it's basically a trash golf tournament where people can drink beer and cheer, and there's music and like it's it's bananas. But there's huge bandstands, right? Like same as this Ryder Cup tournament, and it's a bit of a, a shit show because. Like, kind of like a golf meets NASCAR, right? Just cap. Exactly, exactly. And people like, um, if somebody hits a hole in one on this, is it the 16th hole at the waste management? Or 16th? Yeah. 16th. If somebody hits a hole in one or like puts it like really close to the pin on the green, Paul, people will just rain beers that like throwing beers from the stands. Like it's a bananas idea. So did, do you think that started the build outs or was this something that was from the rider? Like, is this a rider cup thing that transferred over to the waste management? I think that's like a, in general, golf thing. Like they always have the grandstands, but I think in particular uh, for things like the rider cup, it's set up in a different way where there's like more emphasis on like the tee shots and you know the surrounds on some of these holes where like important things can happen like it's it's still done at like the major golf tournaments and other big tournaments just not to that degree because there's like less of an emphasis it's across four days like the first two days are usually like less uh less viewed than the like final two days and then like the importance of it right yeah like think something like the masters happens every year but it's like once a year and it's like really important prestigious and 
you think about the Ryder Cup, it happens every two years and it always happens in a different place. Like they really want to like kind of call it out and make it like this grand spectacle. And that, I, I would say that they make it bigger than every other tournament does build out, just not to the degree that the Ryder Cup does. I, w- I would say Ryder too, I think, for like that stadium hole, like like 16, that the stands go all the way down and wrap around the back. Like, I think you're probably right. Like, Waste Management Open put that type of hole on the map for that, like, par three arena kind of hole. Like, the Canadian Open had one of them this year. That Live Tournament had that famous one down in Australia when they had that go on. So, I don't know. that Like, eight ranks, like, that hole was... I don't I remember any holes that were like it before that. Well, I mean, there's lots of sweet part threes, but. Well, luckily you have somebody here in your in your group that, that's done the waste man. It's like nothing I've been to in terms of sports. Like I've been to some golf tournaments and it's pretty timid at most tournaments. And this is just yeah. like <laughs> people like show up, like looking to get wasted. Like they're not there to watch really golf. They're there to just get buckled. And I've seen more people that look like completely like removed from their bodies, like their souls have left and they're just like a vessel, like wandering the desert in, in the grounds. And it's, it's amazing that they don't like the people don't cause more like problems <laughs> at the tournaments that they do. Like obviously a lot of like the big names don't go because it's like just too rowdy, but like even just, you know, like you get your Ricky Fowlers and your Phil Mickelsons back in the day would show up and they you could like perform during this just absolute shit show of like an event. It's like literally a biggest party. I think the year I was there and every year they I think they exacerbate the numbers, but it's something like 200,000 people on the grounds at one time. Oh, yeah. Like it's just insane amount of humans. Like granted, like I think that they just say that like, so many years we've gone and not even had tickets and we know this like kind of like back entrance that they never even check like they don't even care um but like it it's just a spectacle and and definitely highly recommend just to put this in the scope for because paul i'm sure you can look it up and whenever you like but like the that 16th hole at waste management and these bandstands look similar for the Ryder cup but how, do you know how many people it is that wrapped that hole? Is it 20,000? Like it's, it's, it's a lot. I would say something like that makes sense. Cause there's, it's all, it's a lot. It's mostly actually like general admission seating, which like, that's another thing that's also a spectacle is like people line up at like six in the morning when the gates open and sprint so they could be first in that section. Cause if you don't get there early, you can go wait in line for people that leave and don't want to come back. But like, you'll be waiting there all day to get like just a glimpse of it. And then the rest of it is all like, you know, boxes and um, just stuff for, for, for corporate. Basically you can pay a lot, Um, but it's, yeah, like it's, 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 it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's a good way. I think for people, it's a good entryway for people to get in who maybe like don't like love golf, like maybe I or Ron do, but also want to just see what, what it's about. It's like a fun little, trade-off between partying and also like watching you know, professional sport sport go on doesn't that sound like fun paul wouldn't you just want to do that so i got i got a question so ryan do you golf too like like these guys do poorly okay uh i golf so badly that these guys hesitate to invite me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Ryan because you guys are both into it so you're telling me like at this tournament people are 
they continue screaming while the person is taking their shot? Is that what you're telling me? Or do they kind of come um, a little bit? No, like they, it's respectful, but it, in the sense of like, there's like a there's like a hum to what's going on outside. There's like a large area where it's like the beer gardens where a lot of people are like hanging out, and like there, like people are just like it's like you know a party basically. But like when people are teeing off, like you know they have those people with the little signs that said "quiet, please." So in the moment, like you're being quiet, but like it's just sort of a wild west situation where like if somebody screams that's just the way it is like mm -hmm. it's just like wild whereas most other tournaments are quite timid and like proper and like a lot less of that stuff can happen and then you got to think 200,000 people like you can't predict what's going to happen right like well, that's one of the biggest things like i guess they say at the, at the top 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 levels of golf is like part of the game is how do you handle yourself mentally right in those For sure. things it's all For well sure. to be a certain level in practice but like when there's a tv on and there's a lot of high stakes like there's a lot of big stories about like tiger woods like someone snaps a picture or something and he goes ah! and then he just like yeah recomposes himself professional and just off he goes like utter professional right so i guess my question for you guys is would you rather have like the normal golf experience where it's like very refined and proper and like Maybe like that, that could almost be really uh, unnerving, right? Because it's so quiet. Or would you rather have the NASCAR experience? What do you think you perform better in? Mm. Oh, like if I was in it, like which one I would perform better in? Uh, I would definitely, definitely in the more quiet one because I feel like if you blew up with that many people around, like they'd get on you quick. And like if they knew that like <laughs> you were like buckling, like I think they would get you, get on you even more. They'd be like like on top of you watching to see disaster sort of thing. Okay. <laughs> so I would rather be in the quiet where like, you know, nobody really sees you. Because I've worked, I, I volunteered at the Canadian Open uh, when I was here in Hamilton in 2019. And like my job was just to like I, I did like um basically like i kept track of where the putts would lay or like the balls would land on the green so i just sat at one green to see and basically there's a couple feature groups with like all the big stars but like once like those guys go through your hole like and some of these like more no-name guys come through like nobody's following them there's like maybe like mm -hmm. three or four or five people around the green watching them play out maybe like wives and girlfriends and stuff but there's nobody and then you see like you know, Brooks Kepka come through and it's just like hordes of people just following that one group around the golf course. So you can see how it, it makes a difference. And and I think that that was like what you brought up Tiger Woods, like that was a part of his like sort of um aura. allure is that like when you played with him, like like he could handle being in front of thousands of people way better than you could. And so when you were paired up with him, like if you couldn't handle the like the pressure cooker you were in, you were buried. And that was like already an advantage on top of the fact that he's just like mm -hmm. well, a way better golfer than you are. So like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you, Ron? Yeah, I, I think I'd be with Branko on that one too. But I, I don't know that there's anything quite in golf. Like when you hit a bad shot and literally the whole gallery behind you just goes, oh, like all at once, this huge groan. And then there's obviously, there'd be some asshole in the back being like, nice shot or something like that. You know what I mean? Like just, it's different that way than if you did have that raucous kind of crowd behind you the whole time, like you get used to it. I feel like you could, you could kind of, you know, zone them out kind of thing, get in your own zone that way. 
but I think what I would pick is probably just the traditional. If like, if, you know, you, you pop me into that situation, you know, million dollars, if I play well, kind of thing, that's, that's what I'd such an interesting sport. I, kind of like with, with you, Ryan, with uh, bowling, yeah. eh? it's like, you've done it. Nothing's changing, right? The pins are where they always are. Golf's different, right? There's different holes and everything, but it's like, there's no dynamic. There's no one like trying to like get in your face and stop you from, you know, doing your thing. Right. But uh, it's a totally, it's just you and the pressure. Yeah. Part of the mm-hmm. game. and you feel you Mental feel those game. eyeballs on you when you are doing well right like i w- i was thinking about the question you just asked the guys and i feel like i'd almost rather the drunken crowd where people are maybe not paying the best like they're all a little boggled and yeah. buckled and, and i'd want to do one of those tin cup moments to do a movie <laughs> reference you know if i if I <laughs> it up just drop another ball and just keep fucking it up until until you make that shot and get the crowd behind you but, yeah, you definitely, like you said, Paul, the pressure's all on you to just do the task that you've done 10 million times. It's just, can you handle the amount of eyeballs that are, you know, glaring at the back of your neck while you're doing it? And there must be so much, like, uh, I don't know if you guys find this, just, like, the comments people make, I would assume, like, if you're playing, like, basketball or hockey or soccer, any of these, like, super dynamic games, you can't blame someone as much right oh it was this it was that it was like the other team it was all these different factors like with golf like it's just so such a a laser on you right yeah oh and just the biggest moments right that for sure it all builds up to that moment that putt on that green or whatever like can you imagine you know knowing you're walking up to a green if you make it you know you're gonna win first or thinking about the money too you miss that putt might cost you a quarter million dollars things like that it's just insane don't start making the plans for the money until you make the shot i think <laughs> i think it's got to be and like branks maybe you can speak to this but like it's got to be a great sport for resilience because i don't know i find i always thought that like golf and tennis would be similar but i find i'm gonna be honest i find some tennis players to be not resilient at all right they start freaking out smashing rackets and yelling at their coaches in the stands or yelling at the judges because they're, you know, breathing too heavily or uh, tennis players are so sensitive. And I look at those two sports and I think, well, they're both solo sports. They're both so highly skilled. Like how are golfers so resilient and like tennis players so like buttery soft, but I don't, I don't Would know. You consider tennis a solo sport though? I like, I mean, I you know like- there's doubles. But no, but I mean, like you're playing against another person who's trying to stop you. Mm-hmm. That's, I, that's, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, your opponent can just beat you. Yeah. Tennis is a lot of like uh, having played tennis and now like playing golf. Um, tennis is so like so much harder in, in that like you're having to like think strategy as it's happening. You almost have to like subconsciously know what you're doing while it's happening it's it's such a it's such a trip because you're trying to like execute a shot but then also thinking about like where you want to hit this shot and then thinking about where, what you want to do next so it's like almost like a game of chess but it's like moving it's it's wild whereas golf it's like i hit a shot you know i can relax i can chill until i get to the ball and decide what i'm doing next and then there's like a short period where you're like super super focused and then you can kind of relax until the next time whereas tennis like you're you're like hyper focused. You're all the time. I not mentioned like your heart rate's up. Like you're running around. 
I find tennis to be like, I think those guys are like incredible athletes because they're not only agile, their hand eye is really good and they're like really good at thinking on their feet. Like you kind of have to have all these different skills, not, not to put, uh, not to put golf down or anything, but I would just think like those guys really have to be mentally, mentally strong um, to succeed. Oh, Ryan, maybe you can tell your listeners how you used to help uh, Cam when he played tennis. How I used to help Cam? You would help him out? I used to scream at him in his backswing when we were playing ball in the opposite field. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, you can cut this out. But there was, I think there was a couple times when he was playing like legit matches and you just would go beside the tennis court and scream Cameron like dozens of times in a row. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one time his mom came over and said uh can you not do that please <laughs> yeah i do uh i do have an affinity for making a jackass out of myself <laughs> at uh at... Well, yeah. it was a test, I, I was trying to well, help him make him a little more resilient yeah. for for any future matches um all right we're gonna hold paul's sports feet to the fire here and I think for a laugh, Paul, you are not allowed to open up a document. Oh, this wasn't in the, this wasn't in the show notes. What is this? That's right. It was just a, a small note at the end of the sports segment. But I might surprise. Picking Super Bowl picks, Paul, and you have the the yeah. <laughs> what is your face? Yeah. I come up with two names of teams. I have no idea. Exactly. I want you to make them up. You know, a football team. Hey, the. Um... I watched the Super Bowl last year. I watched the Super Bowl. Was that the one? You know what? One of last year's teams might be in it. What so was the one where he was in uh, L.A. and all the, like, Dr. Oh, Dre and all those guys played? Was that last year? So you watched the halftime show? The halftime show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was, was that last year or was that the previous year? No, that was last year. That was last, oh, oh, two years ago. No, two years ago. Two years ago. Two or three years ago. Eight right. nachos. Heather made nachos. They were amazing. The halftime show was fantastic. So I'm going to go with, uh, I don't even know. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. That's a team. Good. That's a football team. Okay. <laughs> Can he pick it? Can he pick it? And let's go. I don't even know how it works. Can it be any other team? Is there some kind of thing where like certain you, teams wouldn't You usually want a team from the opposite division. The, the, the opposite, so. opposite conference, oh, not division. Right. What's the one that's uh, think of a city? Okay. Think of a city, and we'll tell you if, if uh, that works. You like far away enough? Who'd you pick? I don't know. It's not East Coast, West Coast, Coast, because they're it's split up differently. Like there's there's both both on each. Yeah, it's spread all over. Okay, let's go Ravens and Steelers. That's what I'm going. Okay. With. That's my All right. Based on a lot of analysis, eating nachos, <laughs> vaguely paying attention to the game a year ago and watching the halftime show. That's who I'm going with. You know what? Okay. I I would imagine that out of uh, the 120 million or so people that watch the Super Bowl, that's about mm-hmm. as knowledgeable as uh, those you know 100 million of those people are. So you're you're on the right track. You know what, guys? I probably will watch it because it's a nice little tradition. The so food's always good. We'll see. The food's always good. We'll see if that plays out. <laughs> Ron, who you got? 
Ooh, I, I think I think the Niners are going to be the NFC team. Okay. Full season of McCaffrey, so I'm going to go with them. From the AFC, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Joe Burrow and the boys get back there. That's, I'm going to go with them. Wow! After how he looked week one, yeah, huh? Bengals. That's a yeah, but you know he's uh, he just got paid. Yeah. Gotta show some confidence. So I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna derail him. You know, another year, Jamar Chase, Higgins. You know, the at Bengals. That's my. There call. you go, San Fran and the Bengals. All Thanks, right, buddy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the board and pick some weirdo teams. I'm gonna go Cleveland in the AFC and NFC. Let's go with Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville! Wow. You know, wow. it's unlikely, That's but they're two kind of like Cleveland's looking better this year. They have a really good like defense. Their offensive line's good. Deshaun Watson is fine, finally clear of all his legal troubles and <laughs> can get back to playing football. And then, you know, Trevor Lawrence, like, just look at him. He's hot. He's. Well, hold on. Jacksonville's. Oh, in the that's AFC right. Yeah. Oh, God. Pick two A's. See? Stick now, with the Jaguars. Now, now you're yeah, making Dallas, Dallas. Give me Dallas. Dallas off. Jags and Dallas. I, I like that you're sticking with the Jags. Yeah. That's a confidence. No, I, I'll take like the Browns and the and the Cowboys. I don't want the Jags. If I had to choose between the two, I'm going to take the Browns and the, the Cowboys. There you go. That's my pick. The, the Cleveland Browns? Nice. Nice. I'm, I'm a homer. I'm a homer, and I got to go with my Bills. I'm really feeling like McDermott's only got one more year left to see if he can do it. Otherwise, I don't know. They're gonna have to shuffle <laughs> things up, and I need my Bills to to do it. So I'm I'm taking my Bills, which is such a homer pick, and I'm gonna go off the board here, and I'm gonna surprise you guys. I'm going with oh, wow. the Saints. Wow. Because I think the Saints division is dog <laughs> shit, and they're gonna walk through that. And then their offense looks exciting. I think I think Carr could do some things with that offense. There's only uh, one guarantee that we'll all be for sure wrong. Mm. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You're gonna We're all gonna be me, wrong. Though, so. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and at least now we've recorded it so we can look back and yeah, see who yeah. was the most wrong. It's uh, it's etched in time. That's it. It's it's on here forever. And with that, guys, we're going to take our first break. We're coming right back in a second to uh, to share our thoughts and opinions on entertainment. We'll see you guys in a sec. Are you one of those lucky few people who get to hit the alarm clock snooze endlessly? Not getting up and getting your day started? Do you wish you could jump out of bed, work out, and get some stuff done? Be productive, maybe? Well, do we have a solution for you. It's time to rent a kid. These little gremlins will wreak havoc all over your home until you're forced to spring out of bed and stop them from destroying all of your valuables. Try it for a week or two, build a new routine, and all of a sudden your life and mornings will change for the better. After your Rent-A-Kid term is up, you'll be springing out of bed at any creak, crack, or noise. In fact, you'll probably never sleep soundly again. So rent a kid and get your morning routine started like you've been shot out of a cannon. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Grass Cutter Social Club. Tonight, we are doing something different. We're not talking TV or movies for our entertainment. We're not talking travel or, or seeing the boys and going drinking. What we're talking about tonight, we're focused on music because Paul is our, uh, is our music expert in the group. And we thought we would put on a festival of, uh, of our 90s and our youth hits. So just to lay this out for our listeners, the four of us challenged, uh, challenged each other to, to build a festival stand or a festival stage with a smaller, lesser known band, a sort of medium, maybe one successful album or a, a couple of charted hits band, a big band. So somebody that's had some, some pretty serious success or maybe a cult following and then a, a headliner. So, um, I think, should we go through this for everybody's small band first? And then, uh, yeah, I'm getting some head nods. So that's what we're going to, we're going to play this out. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, I kind of want to hear it. Okay. At some point we need to know everyone's progression too. I mean, it's a festival here. It's got a bill. <laughs> well, we're breaking down the set list for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're, yeah, we, we got to wrap up with a show bill and, uh, and we got some good ones here. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about this and, and Franks, I think, I think we're going to open with you cause you're top of our list and I want you to, you're going to have to break down this, uh, this band you got for our small stage for our starter in the afternoon. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is a, like kind of a sickos only pick uh mf doom is like an individual guy he's a rapper um he kind of like is from new york and he, um he was in a band uh, a rap band like before his time and then he unfortunately like one of the guys in his band was his brother and he passed away just like a freak car accident kind of thing and then he took some time away and then came back as this character called mf doom and he wears like a basically like a, a mask that sort of looks like the mask from gladiator. Uh, he kind of like took something that looked like that. And he always performs with it. Like there's very few pictures out there of him, like without it on. And he's just like amazing. Everybody calls him your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. And um, just has a lot of good, um, a lot of good rap music. And his, like from what I've like read online, like his, uh, like, um, his like pattern rhyming pattern is like super complex and it's a bit above my pay grade. Maybe somebody like Paul could understand like, so some of the, the verbiage that that's describing sort of this, this pattern, but um, I just really enjoy it. And then he's kind of, like I said, he's very much like underground, uh, not sort of your mainstream performer as evidenced by you, you asking me to explain who he is, but I felt like a sort of a small side stage. It would be good for the sickos to come out and see this uh, one of a kind rapper. Hmm. What's the uh, MF stand for? Metal face. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, metal face doom. And he sort of, yeah, he has this mask on, and then he also—I don't know if you—well, uh, maybe you guys know—but there's the, um, 
there's the superhero like uh like the i think he's a marvel comic or dc comic is dr doom and the, like that's one of the like personas he has like in his videos and that he takes off of and he's got like alter egos too he's like really like quite a complex uh character but um yeah every, like listen to his stuff i could send you a couple songs it's it's unique but it's it's top top notch still performing still doing shows no he passed away a few years ago uh he was older but like not that old but yeah it was a, it was a sad day he died on halloween which was kind of fitting uh, a little bit yeah symbolic maybe but yeah he's uh you should listen to his stuff like he's he's like if you the more you read about him online the more you realize how well well regarded he was in the in the rap community yeah, i'll check him out for sure i mean I, I kind of like some of those underground rappers, Big L and uh, and Blackstar. Well, Blackstar is well, amazing, man. A couple of years ago, I went crazy yeah. with that album. Yeah. But I mean, like the less less commercial, sorry, is, is what I'm For sure, about. for sure. Yeah. And that's why I thought small stage, like not even his biggest hits, like the most popular songs he's been on, probably most people don't know. So I thought that like he would be perfect for sort of like a, a backstage, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, uh, just just you know putting down the hits in front of like a hundred yeah. people. Maybe. People like him though, man. Like the first time I ever heard of him was like I would say ten years ago. I was doing my practical. I was in an art class, and they had to do like the shading thing. And one of the kids was drawing the mat with the mask. I'm like, who's that? He's like, it's MF Doom. I've never heard of him before that. But since then, like the name, he, I don't, I haven't listened to him like too, too many times, but um, yeah, his music is like, it's super underground and very like the focus is on the the lyrics, right? Like the, it's not like choruses yeah. and stuff like that. It's very deleted for that. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's like, yeah, he's just, just read about him online. Like I kind of liked him but not realizing who he was and then actually like like when he passed away like is when i really dug deep into his uh discography and uh just realized how many songs i had of his that i didn't realize it was him because he's got these alter egos so it's like mf doom is like his main thing but then he's got victor vaughn is like this other side per like side person there's also king Ghidorah uh that's like another side personality and i can't remember what other ones he has but it, it's like really cool like how and then he like the way he performs is all based on that personality of that that individual and like the stuff he raps about so uh all of them are really good anyways i'll, I'll share a little sampling maybe i'll put together a, like a playlist of my uh of, of my um uh sorry my set list or like my band list and, uh, and maybe we can share them out to the to the folks on uh to the folks on uh, that are listening to our pod i love it what a way to what a way to start us off in our festival stages i love it we're following with uh with ronnie you're ron you're second on uh second on our festival doc sure sweet and you got you got harvey danger listed here <laughs> yeah does everybody remember harvey danger from the, the late 90s, Where of All the Merry Can I clarify, Ron? Yeah. Is that the song, I'm not sick, but I'm not well. That's the one. But I'm That's in. the one. That song is Paranoia, Paranoia. That song's amazing. Right? Amazing. I always forget it exists. And when I hear it, I'm like, oh my God, this song, it's so good. It's yeah. such a good song. Yeah. It's a turn yeah. up the radio kind of song when you hear it, right? 100%. 100%. And it, 
it's been on a lot of soundtracks too, right? Like it's uh it's a soundtrack song from some of those nineties TV yeah. movies. No, I it was one of the first like CDs I got probably. And like you'll remember back then you only you bought a CD based on the single. Like like that was it. You couldn't just buy singles or download like the rest of the CD, like honestly, maybe there was one or two other okay songs, but they were really kind of a one hit wonder. Uh, they had a few follow-ups, but nothing like, I forget one of the other ones. It's like Carlotta Valdez was one of their songs it was called. And then uh, there was a helicopter one that was kind of weird. But yeah, that one flagpole said to just iconic 90s songs. So going with them as my opener. An amazing Love choice. It. That's a great choice. So I, I picked my small stage band off of a single song as well and to kind of go with branco like i i tried to choose a vibe i wanted that mid-afternoon you know the sun's still shining you're maybe cracking your first beer or, or doing your other uh you know other other entertaining items to get warmed up for your <laughs> evening and, and i went with cake just for that uh, appropriate right oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you have to clarify, Ryan. I'm not sure what you're talking yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into the, the sweet details of it all. But just that beat drop, that like I just wanna, I just wanna hear it with a crowd full of people and a beer in hand on a on a Saturday afternoon. And what a way to kick it off. You know what I mean? Like, and and just to be with a, a group of people. Sometimes you want to have that sing along. And I feel like that song is a great start for like a, a sing-along, take off your pants and jacket. And, and yeah, that's why I, I chose I chose them for the same sort of one song that I really wanted to hear, but the vibes that would, would get my day started, keep this uh, keep this festival rolling. Choice, man. Paul, who'd you, uh, who'd you oh, go with here? I, put I was trying to be uh, as faithful as possible to the instructions you gave. And you really, you really leaned into the nostalgia bit. And I was like, who are the, so all of my picks are ones that meant a lot to me and like everyone growing up. So the first one I went with is Sloan. So they have a lot of hits, so maybe it doesn't fit that category, but they don't have that big, like international, like most people, I would say, unless you were there, like in that era, probably doesn't know who they mm -hmm. are. They're lost. Sloan's amazing. I've seen them twice. I saw them when I was 12 at Edgefest. And then I saw them at Echo Beach. I don't know if, like, Branko, you ever been to Echo Beach before in Toronto? Oh. Have you ever been for a show? I, I know I know where, where it's at. No, I haven't been to Echo yet. I've, I've been to Budweiser for a few. But I've heard Echo's even nicer because it kind of looks at the backdrop of uh, which is yeah that's that place is amazing but echo beach you, you're literally standing in sand watching these bands and i saw sloan there and like they're just they have that like 1960s aesthetic with that with that perfect songwriting and i can just think of like yeah so they're not really a one-hit wonder but just in terms of like not being a super popular band and every time i listen to them i'm happy and my son like absolutely is obsessed with uh, the rest of my life that song if you know it and uh, yeah yeah and Inject a little Money City Maniacs in my in my veins. That that one I can hear in my oh, head. Oh man! Like, yeah, when I saw them, they had like this siren thing going. It was amazing. It was so good. And like the thing <laughs> is, for anybody that's not from Canada, that's that's listening, Sloan is big here, 
it might not be super big elsewhere, but yeah, like what a great pick to get us started. Um, should we snake this back and make yeah, Paul go yeah, again, yeah. or do you want to start all over? Yeah, I, all right. I like it. So I like this it. is this is gonna be a snake style, and of course he's mid too. So I'm gonna talk for a second and give him a give him a second. Yeah. You're good. Okay, I'm all good. Right, I'm a bit let's of a get this middle band. Stuff. So just so I outline, because Paul's right. Yeah. Like I did put some parameters. The loose parameters I gave for the small band was moderate success, charted songs, no chart toppers. And then for the medium band was larger success, some notoriety, one or two high charted songs. Um, who'd you go with here, Paul? You got uh, OLP on here, bud. Yeah, man. So this is, again, like for me, I'm trying to think of musicians that were very, very big for me growing up. And Our Lady Peace, oh my God. They're one of those sounds. I don't know if you guys, what it was like in your household, but did you go through, I'm sure you did. Did you go through a phase where you were not allowed to listen to certain music when you were little? Or was it just a free no, for all? I got the, uh, I got the turn that, turn that shit off from my phone for sure. Yeah. Like, so me, I wasn't allowed to watch much music up to like whatever age. Okay. And the first night my mom's like fine i think i was probably in junior high she's like you're good to go like obviously you're hearing all swearing and blah 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 whatever else you're good to go and there was a show called combat day clips you guys remember that it was called combat oh yeah Yeah. that was amazing on much music it was like uh basically they would play two music videos and they would battle against each other and the first night i ever watched it, it was matthew goodman everything is automatic and Our Lady Peace, Automatic Flowers. And I remember hearing that song for the first time, and I was like, it just, like, my mind just, yeah, exploded. Our Lady Peace, I went through a huge phase off their first two albums, and uh, again, like, they're, we know who they are because of our age and being Canadian and everything, but they're one of those bands that, like, I would say never got that enormous, enormous popularity, but they were amazing. So many good, good songs. I mean, they were also heavily featured on Big Shiny <laughs> Tune CDs uh, from... Yes, yes, they were. <laughs> also feel like it fits into the medium band size uh, where it's like bigger success, like kind of at home, but I bet you if you went to the States, people would be like, who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say... That clumsy album, Paul, I, I might have been one of the first albums that I owned multiples of. Like, you know, you know, because we when we all had CDs, right, they'd travel around in, in this discman or in that car or whatever. And clumsy, I re- distinctly remember like losing it, looking for it, can't find it, buy another one, put it in my car. And then suddenly I found the original one that I own. And now I've got two clumsy albums, but... It, I needed it so bad that I definitely had multiples of. I won't that. spoil, but my, my fourth pick is I, I did that for my fourth for my fourth pick as well. I know you can't not own. You lose it. You you need to have it. I'm with you. That's right. You got to track it down, and that's and that's so old school, right? Like the kids today won't understand the pain that we had to go through. I literally talked about that today in class. I did like we do an album review every year. And I'm like, guys, just like try to appreciate that there was a time in history when you couldn't get whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted it, right? And you kind of had to save up or see like which friend had the music or wait for the radio and hope it. Like it was, it was cool. Like I don't, I mean, I'm happy I have Apple Music and unlimited everything now. It's wonderful, but just waiting in that anticipation and just that, you know, the buildup and listening to the whole. Like I remember when I got Clumsy, I sat in my bed and 
listened to it with my headphones on and read through the lyrics, like start to finish, track one to track 11. Hopefully, I think there's a lot of tracks on it. But the other thing that was really special about that was that the radio would release one or two singles, right? Especially with like Our Lady Peace and the Tragically Hip and some of these big Canadian bands. So you'd hear a couple of songs and it would get you just frothing. You'd be, you'd be ravenous. And then finally the album would come out and it would be a five single album. There'd be five great songs on it. But then you, you still bought the album after the first two and just consumed it, consumed it, consumed it. And you were curious which ones were going to be radio singles off the album coming next. And it was so much fun to hear a song or two and get excited about the rest of it. Yeah. And trying to predict what the next big single would be from the CD, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was never right. You think it would be obvious looking back in hindsight. Oh, obviously that song is huge. I was never right. Never. So for, oh. for my medium pick, originally I went, I went hard and loud. I went with silver chair and then, I had to back it up. I had too many fond memories of this band that I went with. I went with Incubus. So and, good. So Okay, good. I was curious what you guys would think of this pick because I had a hard time, like, I did transition into the emo phase for a while. We all go through a breakup or two and Dashboard Confessional is the only thing that's going to soothe it for sure, <laughs> right? Like, like come on. we've all had our Counting Crows moments or our Dashboard You can't avoid it. It happens. But... Uh, but Incubus was like my sort of toes in the water into this like moodier, like away from the grunge and away from the rock. And like um, that Make Yourself album that they had, I wore it out listening to it so much. And I don't think it had a ton of singles off of it. I think there might have been two radio singles off of it. But I was bananas for that album. And just a brief story, the reason why that album sticks so clearly in my head I was on a road trip with a rugby team in BC and in BC you're driving through the mountains and they'll have these passing lane sections where it goes to three lanes and the, the middle lane is a passing lane, but it's for both sides. Okay. And so the idea is if you're going down the hill, you can pull out and pass and then everybody on the other side yields to anybody that's passing. Or if you're going up the hill, you can pull out and pass and everybody has to yield to whoever's passing, right? So it's just you're being consciously aware of anybody in the middle. And um, I distinctly remember like Make Yourself being on the radio and we're all kind of like screaming and singing and enjoying the song. And I think some of us are shit-faced. And don't we pull out into the passing lane and we're slapping the driver on the shoulder because there's somebody in the passing lane coming towards us. And it's like three cars wide and we're all just, Oh my God. Like our lives are flashing before our eyes. And that song is still blasting on the radio in the background. And I'll never get it out of my head, but that incubus wow. make yourself album was a perfect transition from the harder, uh, grungier stuff to the moodier stuff. And, and I loved, love, love that. The whole industry, man, had to figure out how we move in from the '90s to like whatever's coming next, right? I think I think some of the other bands coming up might kind of address that. But you know what, Incubus had—they just screamed like the turn of the millennium. They had a DJ in the band, you know. Like, Here's our verse, and this all of a sudden, this like this little scratching just out of the clear blue sky. There's some guy scratching. Just... Exactly. 
That was a moment in time where you'd have a rock song and then what? Oh, this is also a DJ in this song. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Exactly. Wow. Good and the call. beat would drop too. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Ron, who you got for uh, your medium stage? Your follow up. Your follow up act. Oh yeah. This was the. This band was going to be on my list for sure. Like whether it was one band or a hundred, like this was my favorite band in high school and it's Matthew Goodband. Just, uh, they were the first band I saw in concert at, uh, Oliver's at Carlton. Like I went with Cam, right? Like we weren't even in, it must've been their frost week band. You saw Matthew Goodband at Oliver's. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, yeah. That's very surprising. That's very surprising. That's crazy. That's a big act for a small bar. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was unreal. And like, uh, I, yeah, just being blown away. Couldn't sleep after that show. Not that I went to a lot of them, but man, that set the bar pretty high. And this was also the band like that, like, like going to bed, like, you put your earphones on and like kind of just listen to some music before bed in the dark. You're just lying there. It was this band for me, like some of their songs, like Strange Days. Um, man, just they just they just put me back in that that place, you know, right there when you're 15, 16, like apparitions too, like just some slow songs. Oh my God, man! Apparitions, like, like yeah. he has the big ones for Three sure. Boys. Hello, time bomb, but those aren't my favorite, right? Like, it's those other. Re- Rico. <laughs> Rico, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Ron. I always like your like the kind of more ballad type. Uh, Primetime Deliverance. You remember that song? Oh was, yes, yes. Was not a single, but just like beautiful. Oh my God, they were so good. Yeah, that's another one. Like you ask, you know, anyone our age who lives in Ontario, of course they know who Matthew Goodman is. But if you go to like different ages and different places, I don't think so. Not so much, right? No idea. Yeah, really obscure. Yeah, um, the one thing he had in common with a lot of the people on this list is he just didn't have it together mentally to like hold the act together and like yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I I love that we put people on this list that you can't see um or that it, it would be very slim chances of of seeing oh no yeah yeah i don't know i wonder what he's doing now so i think he he actually played at algonquin college um not long ago my really? my sister-in-law yeah i think my sister-in-law went like last year uh and saw him at algonquin college so he's still Playing. I don't. I don't think it's the Matthew Good band anymore. It's just Matt Good. Matt Good. Yeah, his last few CDs were just Matt Good too. I think his last yeah. few albums. So, let's keep this ball rolling, Branks, buddy. Your medium band. I didn't even think of it, but I am jealous oh, yeah. of the pick. I can't believe it was laying there for you. Yeah. Well, I, I was trying to think. Like I used your parameters to try to suss out sort of like how to build it and then like thinking about all the festivals I've been to it always kind of goes like that uh, that's how they build it out and kind of the time of day as well right so so my medium band I, I picked sublime which like one like I would have loved to seen them while their lead singer was still alive because I don't think uh, like as a band together I don't think they were 
like with their lead singer were together for that long. I think maybe two albums they put out and then like he committed suicide, unfortunately. But like just thinking about like Santeria and, and Bad Fish and some of the other songs I really love, like to see them live would be so sweet. But like mid-afternoon, you're just catching a buzz. Maybe you smoke the joint. I don't know. But uh, it would be sweet to just chill out and just listen to them put on. And it's like always like, I always think of like Sublime songs as like feel good and like summer and driving around or whatever with your friends, um, putting putting their music on. It always made me feel good and happy. And um, yeah, that that's my pick for medium medium band. I think another member of the Twenty Seven Club, right? That famous uh, yeah, Twenty Seven oh, Club. He was about that age, but uh, yeah, gone too soon and at the absolute peak. Oh, and they had like an offshoot. They, they had the uh, Long Beach Dub All Stars, which was like all the remaining Sublime members with a new lead singer. I'm pretty sure, um, but like it wasn't quite as good. No, but not the same. suffice to say, Sublime uh, was my pick for for medium band. Yeah, good pick, very cool. I got a lot of good memories. Yeah, me, me, Steve Mackey, and Kyle went whitewater rafting in like 2001. I don't, I hadn't really heard Sublime. And it was, I think Kyle brought it. So we, we were driving out down the 17 or whatever. He put it on in that garden room. Ah, <laughs> and I can ride. Oh, my God. And I was like, who is this? Like, oh, my God. I remember it like clear as day. It's so funny when you're young and, and like easily influenced, when you do hear music that just hits your soul. It, yeah, is, totally. it is almost like heart-stopping. Like, it's like, holy shit. What is this? Yes. And where do I get more of it? Like, straight to the main vein. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Let's keep this rolling. We're going to snake this right back to you, man. Okay. Yeah. Big, big band uh, for me. Some And a lot of the inspiration for me was uh, uh, bands that I haven't seen. Granted, like my headliner is somebody I have seen, but a band I haven't seen that I would love to see. And like, I just think about a lot of their music that really, truly uh, just get, like goes right through, courses through my veins and just like makes me happy is the strokes. Uh, and very much like sort of that time period in my life where I was like super impressionable and like I would hear something and like, yeah, I'd have to listen to it 30 more times just to like make sure like, uh, like just went straight into my bloodstream. <laughs> but like the Strokes uh, just have like a very unique sound and yeah, they were of a time, um, like kind of the early 2000s, late 90s um they were like super popular but like also seemed very unique and yeah there's, there's a bunch of songs in there that like i just would love to hear live and julian casablanca is as a lead singer he's like pretty uh he's done pretty well as like a solo artist as well so um yeah the 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 strokes big band lots of hits lots of people know them pretty pretty world famous and i think they'll make a great uh lead into the headliner eventually at, at my uh my festival that's a great way to kick it off ron buddy what are you following uh brank's headliner with here i'm going with blink 182 so just i mean like is there more of a a opening rift to a song than blink 182's like damn it like that I was, I was gonna sing i was picturing damn it when you said an opening riff right like american pie had all their songs like they're just like 
those movies that to me is like that early 2000s late 90s like and that would be like a truly fun concert to see right like there's some concerts that you want to see where like i'll be honest i want to see alexa on fire but i also don't need a mosh pit at my age (laughs) i just feel like a blink 182 concert would be just a a blast oh they'd be moshing though man you know i think right for sure they what was the festival like what was the punk festival called like for a while that they had and they would like head Huh? Warp tour, yeah. Warp tour. yeah, it was the yeah. warp tour with the God, skateboarders. God, and, they yeah. got silly. I've never been to one, but like you'd see footage and like, yeah, you get moshed, you get you get stomped for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Even though the music seemed like a little more PG than like some like you know Black Flag or some harder harder punk band. And like I gotta say, like if you listen to the Adam song now, like it just it brings you to this space, right? Like just as soon as it starts, it's it's like the um, the Green Day song that's like that too, uh, Time of Your Life, oh where it's God. just like, puts you yeah. into this moment. Anyway. Yeah, Adam's song is, is a perfect yeah. song. It's, yeah, absolutely perfect. Yeah, I can't, I can't like, if I say some of the lyrics in that song, I will feel like, I right? will be visibly choked yeah. out. Like, it's so, it, and it comes yeah. again like yeah. these guys they're you know they do these videos where they're like running down naked down the street and then they come out with adam's song i was like who are these guys it's crazy yeah, yeah. just wild just yeah amazing well i'm uh i'm gonna get lambasted for this pick i think i'm, I'm expecting you guys to bust my balls about it at least because she, she might be a headliner but I went with this pick because, again, with the vibes, right? I imagine the 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 sun getting down, getting low, and it's starting to get dark. And <laughs> this girl could sing the phone book for me. And Lauren Hill, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, is an album that I have worn out without shame. I think she is one of my all time favorite rappers, singers, unbelievable. I I don't get bored of it at all. And then her with the Fugees, I know that this is where you guys can chime in and beat me up about her probably being a headliner. But yeah, she couldn't hold it together to do much more than the Fugees two albums and and Miseducation. And yeah, I just, everything she's ever sang, I've I've just eaten up with a spoon. And I I don't know if you guys have felt the same way, but she seems to... uh, I don't know her her like on that level. Like I don't know her music on that level. But the the singles are like amazing for sure. The Fugees I I knew well. Karen had that album. My sister uh, that was like the first probably rap album that came into the Benny household. And it was like, oh, here's Killing You Softly, and here's a bunch of like you know F this and F that. My mom's like, what are you? Doing? Yeah, that was the first hip hop album in her house, like for sure. I would say the score i mean paul as a teacher it's it's really funny you should check out if you can find the whole album on spotify or whatever from start to finish the the miseducation of lauren hill um you know how all these rappers have put those interludes of like just spoken words between the songs hers is all done in a school so it's a classroom teacher speaking to students yeah yeah he's asking about love and he's asking about marriage and what it means to be in love and like and then it's just the kids sort of riffing and rapping with him about like, you know, stuff that students and a teacher talk about. And there's like bells between the songs. It's very uh, school-like and and almost childish. So 
like as a teacher, I connect with that too. But yeah, I I've just always loved her vocals and and God, I'd love to see her live. I would love to see her live. But again, I don't know if mentally, like I know she was talking about maybe touring again. I don't think I'll. Caitlin saw her. I can't remember when that was, but she saw her. God. Maybe five years ago, I can't, she was performing, or maybe that was longer than I think. Like I've kind of conflated some years here, but Caitlin definitely saw her uh, live at some point, um, and it seemed more recently than not. But maybe it was like a blues fest. She was at a blues fest for sure, hmm. but I just don't know how long ago that was. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. She's also a bigot. She hates white people. Uh, but, oh really? I mean, yeah. sometimes we deserve it, so I, I'll yeah, let her. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, hundred percent. She's not wrong, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my thing with her is like I I said starting off, I have like a short list of of these people that that I could sit back and just listen to them sing the phone book and for and sure. She's awesome. Great voice, so, yeah, Fuji's, yeah. Cat Stevens and Frank Ocean, Lauren Hill and uh, Otis Redding. I could just yeah, man, hundred yeah. percent. Paul, buddy. Okay, so again, I'm sticking with the nostalgia, and I'm very lucky. I got I've seen this band three times. Heather got tickets for me and my buddy Alan. We saw them this band uh, less than two weeks ago, Smashing Pumpkins. So oh. for me, like again, this is a nostalgia thing. There's no band from the area that we grew up in that is more important to me than Smashing Pumpkins. Like, it's, it's no competition. Ryan, and we were talking a little bit the other day about, like, who were the case. So you obviously had this explosion of rock with, like, Nirvana and all their contemporaries, you know, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and all that stuff, right? But the Pumpkins had something different. I feel they did. They had, like, orchestral stuff. And they had, like, they'd go from these, like, sweet, quiet songs, and then all of a sudden it's, like, wailing guitars and Billy Corgan is screaming like he just came out of hell or whatever. Like it's down. <laughs> there's no other band like them. I, I just feel that that's one that I have seen them. So I don't know if it's, you know, it's, uh, if it fits like the instructions, but, uh, yeah, definitely for me, that's, that's like, that's the one. For sure. I mean, they're borderline a headliner too. Like they're, they're that sort of notoriety. I, th I feel like you could even put them as a headline and I don't, I don't think anybody would like bat an eyelash because they're that sort of important to that time period. I remember getting uh, in grade five, which was like maybe two years into me living in Canada, not even two years, but like some friends of mine at that time bought me the Melancholy Infinite Sadness double CD. And like, I wore those CDs out. Like I listened to them so goddamn much like zero and uh what's the other one um uh yeah. god i'm forgetting butterfly uh what what's the other big song on that cd paul yeah yeah oh my god like i know those songs just like from having listened to them like whatever 20 years ago <laughs> more that's than nice, 20 years ago. nice gift though for a grade five little birthday party that's all right would have been like 40 bucks that's a lot of that's a good friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man what yeah. was uh which song was it where it was billy corgan in the back of a car just driving around 1969 1979 79 yeah. i can yeah. remember that perfect that, song. Perfect that, song. Oh, that I, yeah amazing but i, I it sticks out of my head because like 
we were watching TV and my dad like scrolled through, like landed on much music and that song was on and he's, he was just like, what is this garbage? <laughs> but it's like, sticks out of my head, like generationally, they were, Paul, like you said, they were so different that like our parents were like, it was just yeah. music they couldn't understand at all, but then it resonated with all of us so much, like just amazing, amazing songs. Our parents grew up in an era where all the, you know, well, let's say pre like early sixties, all the people who were successful musicians were like classically good at what they did. Like if they were a singer, they had a refined, nice voice. They were really good at their instruments and pumpkins like Billy Corgan has an amazing voice, but it's not refined. Like it's, it's super weird. Right. Right. So, yeah. You know, quite a gamble for him to come out singing the way he does and have it. Work. Yeah, it's true. The, the, Previous decade, I think, saved somebody like him with bands like Rush and, and Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses, right? Like, uh, th those guys couldn't sing for a lick, like, Screamers. sing to save their lives. Yeah. But just the, the oddity of their vocals yeah. allowed somebody like Billy Corgan to really do whatever the fuck he wanted, right? Uh, Paul, I think we're going to keep this going with you, buddy, because we're going to snake back around for our for our headliners. So, okay. Hit us with it, man. Well, for people, you know, full disclosure, I don't think I actually pictured how this would be like to be sitting watching these four bands in a row, but we got Sloan, <laughs> Our Lady Peace, Smashing Pumpkins. Headliner is like just completely out of left field the way I've set this up. But I was thinking, so nostalgia, right? And I completely cheated on, on this answer. But what album would anybody from our group of friends, our generation, our age know? hands down this album came out when i was in grade nine and until like mid-20s was extremely popular the album i'm talking about is 2001 by dr dre so my headliner choice and this is cheating is dr dre and everyone else who's on that album as his like featured artist. so eminem is there snoop dogg is there nate dogg <laughs> is there all these guys that album once you hear that whatever that uh oh. like sitting in the movie theater sound that comes on track one yeah, that Dolby, yeah, that Dolby, like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. still DRE, teenagers are still playing that piano part from still DRE to this day, right, that's like, oh my god, that's one of the most iconic beats of all time, like, that guy, Dr. Dre, like, the his production defined, like, a decade plus of music, right, he's just absolutely iconic, so, I think to be able to see, and that's, like, him and Eminem are artists I have not seen, and, like, Eminem is probably not coming to Ottawa anytime <laughs> soon, but you never know. So those, those, that's my choice. Great choice. Like just, Excellent. It, it's true. Everybody remembers that black CD with the weeds, with the weeds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everybody had it. And, and all the tracks yeah. were uh, incredible. Great songs. Like the first 15. And then there were like some of those like rap, kind of filler tracks like there was that orgasm one yeah that pause for porno like yeah. i i had it blasting on my boom box yeah. blasting and i had to like <laughs> run to my boom box and turn that off because my mom could hear the pause for porno and was like what are you doing up there like that album and there's a bunch of funny skits too Absolutely. which are really good on that as like like interludes and stuff but paul like your context also made me want to like agree with you even more because it's so true like 
if I yeah, like if if I was at a show, like I would probably know all the songs and all of them. I would just be like, man, like we need to get like six more beers right now. And who has the oh, yeah. who has the cigarette? <laughs> the closest thing I can come, I would say, I don't know if you guys caught this, but and I I want to say 2009, Ice Cube came to Blues Fest, and same kind of production, right? I'm sure Dr. Dre was all over his stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, Ice Cube, cool, cool. I know some of the songs. And when when the when like the beat started, like my face fell <laughs> off. It was like, oh my god, and like it was just like the crowd exploded. Yeah, yeah, that album safely secured my love for rap. Right, immediately my parents hated it, and I was like, okay, I love this. I want to listen to Dr. Dre and Exhibit and Snoop Dogg and 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 and. and, and. Well, that that was the opposite in the end because I was like the snobby kid, like, oh, I play drums, I like, I like rock music. I'm not just gonna listen to rap just because all the it's what's popular right now. And when that album came out, I was like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) this is good, really good. That's that's a a fantastic pick. I I went with one that uh, it's my it's got to be my favorite album of all time and my one of my favorite bands, but it's a band that I know I'll never see in my lifetime, which just makes me sad. And I went with Oasis because what's the story? What's the story is for sure. An album I've owned. I, and you guys are going to laugh, but I've probably owned four iterations of what's the story just to make (laughs) sure I have a copy around. And like, yeah, it's hands on my favorite. We, uh, we have Wonderwall as our wedding song. I had to do it sung by Ed Sheeran and my nephews and and some of the kids in my life listen to these this album all the time because I play it relentlessly. But it, oh, it's cool. just gut wrenching nice. that these two brothers can't figure their shit out and, and get it together to to play a tour or anything like that because that would be the one that I it's top of my list. I want to see it the 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 most and i know it's never never gonna happen i remember kyle's seen oasis a few times have you ever seen them paul or branco oh i didn't even know that kyle had that oh yeah i know kyle has yeah no 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 uh no way i haven't seen them definitely like that was like one of my first memories of being in canada is like driving the soccer uh, and hearing that uh, the Wonderwall on the radio and like that song, I remember that whole summer was like just like uh, being played on the radio nonstop. Is that the one that's like space of your mind? Like yeah. that one? Is that yeah? yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a chalk. <laughs> it's a chalk pick, but I'm I'm comfortable yeah. with it. Why don't we keep this ball rolling? Because I feel like these ones are gonna are just gonna roll right downhill on us. So. Ronnie, baby, what do you uh, what do you got for us for our headliner? Yeah, I'm going. You know, Branco, you said the band that like it's like okay, we need to get six beers in us and where are the smokes like right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah, me, yeah, that's what I was after with my headliner. I went with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Just like man, like just a band that can just turn it up real quick. Like oh, give it away, can't stop. Like the list goes on and on they could just have you jumping the whole time but then a lot of, of lot of pleasers right oh my gosh so many so many yeah so i went with them um i yeah i i mean they're still a big band right like 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know what their tours look like, but boy, I mean, they're they're the next Rolling yeah, Stones. Yeah, back stadiums. Yeah, we'll be taking our kids. We'll they're be taking our kids big. to their concerts when those guys are eighty. I'm sure. <laughs> the thing that's different about them is that they still come out with new music that is like yeah, very good. Which a lot of a lot of bands stay together and tour for a long time, but their new stuff is amazing. Yeah. yeah. They do it like 85 or something like that with their first record and they're still putting out albums that are good like that's crazy yeah, yeah they've like true. evolved but they've evolved but also like they have the same formula like it's sort of like you know it's not too poppy but it's also not like too grunge or like too rock like they just like that the middle spot they're like so good at finding that and it's just so uh so listenable like i never get tired i never tire of any of their music and i saw them live in in barcelona actually the, f- the first time i ever backpacked in europe uh it was stadium arcadium that album and uh, me and my buddy who who's back and backpacking with me mike we went got, went and saw that and ron there was many beers and many cigarettes smoked um <laughs> at the show and and i remember we we snuck down like we had some pretty crummy seats and we just broke contain on the security and got down to the floor level and uh we had ourselves a good time uh beauty great choice great choice okay Branks, buddy we're coming right back to you man wrap us up <laughs> <laughs> yeah finish it up another rap performer very uh near and dear to my heart saw them actually when they did a tour recently at, at budweiser and that's outcast just like their discography is so uh deep and like so many songs i like and you know late at night i think you know you would get a pretty good boisterous crowd and um yeah just just i remember when i did see them live like i wanted more and like there wasn't more like they obviously had a cap time but i there was so many songs i wish i could have heard live but even the ones i did here i was like i it felt special to to have heard it live and uh it's like a band i've always loved and they've had such an important like sort of a cultural move a cultural movement for like the south and what it's done for like southern rap and just kind of putting it on the map that they're just like, you know, one of a kind uh, rap performer. And um, yeah, they, they'd headline it and close it down and send everybody uh, home happy. And they had a, they, you're right. They had a style unto themselves. That's so unique and special. You'd want to, you'd want to experience it live for sure. For sure. Especially Andre, like Andre 3000 is like like such a like sort of like mf doing one of a kind lyricist and his sound and like uh rhyme schema like as soon as you hear him rapping on like one of their songs or if he's like a featured on there's a really good song uh by frank ocean that he's featured on it's called pink matter and and like just like as soon as he starts rapping like you know it's him and it's just like so good um anyways uh, outcast I love for me, it. Boys. Let's button this thing up. So, Branks, run down your list again, and then we'll go to Ron. We'll I'll take it over and finish up with Paul. Yeah, yeah. Like start the day off, get get a little uh, get a little uh, underground, go MF Doom, kind of get the people rolling in, then open it up with Sublime, get the larger crowds rolling, and then hit them with the uh, Strokes, Outcast, one, two, and uh, and close it down and send everybody, like I said, packing home happy and full of uh fill their belly with music 
And I'm going Harvey Danger to open it up. They can play their one song, then shuffle along. (laughs) 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 And then Matt Good, Blink-182, and then the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love it. I'm going with Cake to get the good vibes flowing. I got Incubus to follow it up with some harder-hitting moody stuff. And then Lauren Hill and Oasis to wrap up my nuthouse at the end of my stage. I started with uh, Sloan, great band for the daytime, Our Lady Peace, and then Smashing Pumpkins just as it's starting to get dark. And, you know, you go to Blues Fest and they always time it for 9.30 in July and it's just like pitch black right when they're coming on. And that's when Dr. Dre and all his buddies, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, all those guys. <laughs> it's the best. This is, this is a festival that needs to happen. But ladies and gentlemen, we're taking a break. We're sure you need one too. Are you looking for an exciting new way to earn an extra few bucks? Are your days busy and evenings free after the kids are all tucked in the bed? If you've packed on an extra few pounds from a couple too many light beers, we are looking for you. This city's newest and most charming entertainment spectacle is searching for some new talent. Dad Bod's Gentleman Experience is now hiring. So come on down to Papa Bear's Hideaway and Cocktail Lounge. Show us how you can still cut a rug. Don't let this Dad Bod trend pass you by. For any interested bookings of Dad Bod's Gentleman Experience, please contact Gary at Papa Bear's Hideaway and Lounge. All right, guys, we know it's been a long one, but we are excited to talk about uh, not just back to school, but like getting our shit together in the morning because big baby Branko, he's got he's got another big baby on the way. And Branks, you were saying one one is very different when you go to two and it really fucks your morning up. So uh, (laughs) you got to get prepared for this, man. I I will say. it took Megan and I like six months, six months to get our shit together. Once we had two, I was late for everything. So, uh, guys, how are you surviving the mornings with two kids? Are you able to get out the door with school, work, getting dressed, looking professional, and trying to keep it together? Paul, Ron, well, the way I do it is by having a wife who's a rock star in the morning. Basically, <laughs> just tell it straight. Uh, yeah. Heather's incredible and she does, uh, you know, the lion's share that stuff in the morning. So she's from home and she kind of gives me that we, we get up and have a coffee as a family and Grant tells us about dinosaurs and Nora kind of goes around, walks around the living room, checking things out and saying bop and things like that. And then seven o'clock. Heather, if you're listening, he was pumping your tires the other day. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes, that's how that's how it is. Like, I mean, as a household, the only thing I can say is that we put so much effort into trying to make sure that how do I phrase this? Like, we're always like, what can we be doing to make the operation run smoother? Like we have we have two laundry days a week, we have two grocery days a week, we have everything we can is like as dialed in as we possibly can so that there's no Mm -hmm. chaos at the last minute. There's always gonna be some and like we're going through the transition, like, Nora started daycare a couple weeks ago and grants into SK now. So like when those transitions, it's going to be crazy. There's no two ways about it, but that's, we try to do as much proactively as we possibly can so that those mornings are 
just the last things that you yeah. have to do. Ronnie, baby, any, uh, any advice for the man? I mean, for me, I, I try to make the things I have to do for myself as, as painless as possible. So that might be, you know, I don't know, laying out your clothes the night before when you have to go into work, things like that. Because otherwise, it's just a wild, you know, it's wild. You get used to it. You find your rhythm. But the, I don't know, you just kind of got to embrace it. It's crazy. And you know it's crazy. And it's just, you're going to get through it. And uh, boy, like it's it's a shock going back to school and making lunches again. And, you know, thank God that they have a bus and they can both hop on the bus and it's not a far walk. And But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the household stuff overall, like, it just seems like our laundry machine is running all the time. Um, but Jess just, you know, finds, a, you, you, you end up settling into all those little roles and there's things you can do to make it easier on one another. Um, so just keeping that in mind is, uh, is how you do it. I, uh, I took a page out of your book, Ron, and I started like, well, sorry, we, we started uh, meal prepping. So we lay out the whole week's like meals, lunches, what the kids are having for breakfast and we try and limit the amount of shopping we have to do sort of like what you and Heather are doing, Paul, but, uh, but we found that really helps just with, with how stressed we are because sometimes even to, to wrap up your day at work and then be stressed because you don't know what you're going to cook for dinner uh, oh. is tough to come home to. Right. So um, that was the hardest thing with young kids. I got to interject. Like, that's the hardest thing with young kids. Like, they need to eat at, like, 5 or 5.30. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's such a sprint when you get home, right? So to to at least know what you're putting on the table is – you. it means that you come home, you just, you know, dice it, chop it, put it in the pan, and you move on if you know what you're going to cook. So the meal prep helps. Um, for the morning routine, I finally bit the bullet um, – because I have the ability to hit the snooze button and I've stopped doing that. So I'm up at like quarter after six every morning and then, and the mornings that the boys aren't up yet, I get to enjoy half a cup of coffee before they are. But, but roadie has been waking up with me at like six fifteen, six twenty. So, mm. uh, so we chill together for a bit before Oliver and Megan wake up around seven. Um, but I'll be honest that, that, 20 minutes to half hour 40 minutes that i get to myself or with just me and roadie where i can like figure out okay I'll, I'll put the breakfast on the table and then i'll go get dressed as soon as megan's up it just helps me uh get my day organized so so yeah getting up a little earlier is, is saving my i'm writing all this too. down guys taking notes i hope you yeah notes yeah you and Caitlin, how how are your mornings now? You guys, uh, are you both? Uh, mornings are usually just, just me, so I'll get up with Noah, and I'll give I'll feed him breakfast to make coffee for myself, or at least prep my coffee for when I get back, and then uh, I usually hang out with him for like an hour before we we drive to daycare, and then I have about you know thirty to forty minutes, depending, to get like ready for work and make my breakfast, and then get into my my home office seat and do the rest of that. So, uh, but with two, uh, I'm sure like you guys have mentioned, it sounds like organization and preparedness is a big part of your guys daily uh, routine. And I think that'll definitely be something that 
I'll try to do more like a lot of the stuff you guys have mentioned, like, you know, picking the same days to do like laundry or shopping. I think I'll probably want to institute something similar to that. Like now it kind of almost is that, whereas like there's usually two days a week I'm going to grocery shop. It's not always the same days, but I think maybe doing it the same and having sort of a similar grocery list, but you always end up having needing something. So there's always like that one extra thing you have to do. So uh, it's not perfect, but um yeah, like a, a lot of good stuff you guys have just thrown at me and I'm I'm excited to put it to work uh, and put it to use. Um, I've mentioned to a few people, like I'm not as anxious as I was when Noah was coming because I know what like I'm getting myself into, but like, you know, that the like pile of work is there. You just have to do it. So uh, just got to get, got to get prepared. You know, I got to, I got to start doing some deadlifts. Mm -hmm. uh, making sure I'm nice and limber to lift all my kids up and stuff. Make sure I, I don't uh, slip my back. So, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely going to be some adjustment there with uh, with going from one to two and and doubling down. Uh, anybody got anything to add before we go on a Paul's party trip to wrap this uh, this train up? Oh, I feel like I have to close move on something, if I may. Sure. So it's back. Some of your regular listeners will remember you guys talked about Ron accidentally firing a Roman candle at me at a party a while back. Yeah. I have no idea. I have no way of knowing whether there was intent or not, but I do know that you looked me straight in the eye and were giggling before you did it. <laughs> whether or not it was intentional or not, I don't know. But I just felt if I this is my chance to offer my side of the story <laughs> and it's the same little chuckle that you folks get the pleasure of hearing over the microphone <laughs> as ron was firing that roman candle at paul's chest no harm no foul nobody was seriously injured it's all good i mean you had you had a very developed chest for your age at that time paul i mean yeah i did you had a I man's did. chest it took it it's it gone. took it like a jam it's gone now it's completely gone <laughs> Paul, how far how far away was Ron when he shot that kid? I would say you? so you were like standing on the deck and I was like in the middle of the lawn. So what is that? Let's say fifteen feet, twenty yeah, feet. That's what I had in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Point blank. Straight in the chest. Yeah. No harm, no foul. All right, guys. This is <laughs> this is going great. We're gonna keep this train on the tracks and bring it to uh bring it to the station. So tonight, instead of uh instead of and uh, get off my lawn or some fat stats to wrap up our, our episode where we've got Paul and Paul's got a party trick and Paul, do you want to explain the party trick before we get right into it? Or this is one of these little time capsule things. Cause nobody who has met me, like whatever, say since 2010 or on knows about this. Cause I, I guess I just don't talk about it anymore, but for whatever reason, if you fire me like a word or a small sentence, I can tell you the name of letters that are in it very quickly. I guess and the, num the yeah. number of letters, the number of letters that are in okay. it. So, yeah. so start. Listener, you got to start like like easy ones, and then we'll just I got, build I got it a up. Few, right? I got a few easy ones for you, okay. here, Paul. I'm ready. Hopefully, I can spell them. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, hit us with character. Nine. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you uh, you got it. Okay. Um, what about a nice psychology? Uh, ten. Yeah. 
That's also correct. Okay. <laughs> and, and I hope our listeners are like, okay, wait a second. And they're spelling it and thinking about like, this is difficult. Okay. You're those right. aren't, those aren't, by the way, those aren't easy ones. Like I thought you'd start way easier than that. <laughs> those were a bit harder. Those were a bit harder. Or were you expecting easier than that? Are you guys? Are, here's a question: Are Are Branko? Are you guys uh, working on a list yourself? I've got. I've only got like eight or ten words here. Oh no! I, yeah, I'll just pull some out of my hat. Like I was going to start with like elephant. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Okay. So so I guess mine aren't easy then, uh, but. Let's let's keep it going because you're already hot here, Paul. Uh, plagiarism. Got ten. You're correct. Oh, that oh. Is, uh, you hey, got it. No, it might be eleven, depending on how you spell it. How are you spelling it? Uh, P L A G I A R I S M. I I had ten. I thought it might be P L A I. There you go. Spellings are okay. So Paul got the multiple spellings. Okay. You ready? Combustible. It's 11. That's correct. Counterfeit. 10. 11. Ah! There you go. You got me. There we go. We've, we finally got you on one to, to trip you up. Your blood. My, my last one here, before I'm going to throw it to Ron or, or Branks to keep the party trick going. Insignificant. Uh, oh, God. 13? Yeah. That's yeah. correct. I'm trying to go like super fast. I need to just take take a beat. It's so fast, and the fact that you haven't done it in a decade is is pretty. I do it every once in a while. Someone like Heather knows about it, so some every every once in a while, someone will ask me. I don't think I knew this about you, Paul. This is impressive. You did not know this about me. I got one. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna professional. Twelve. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, can you guys do me a favor? Can you figure out how I can monetize this this skill? There's got to be a way. Oh. <laughs> Are there people in the world that don't have access to a computer and can just they just really need to know the number of letters in a long word? No. <laughs> there's got to be somebody. No, I've known about it for years and I've always thought there's there's literally nothing useful about it. You said you can do uh, some sentences. How about um, uh, da, 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 da. Jesus Christ Superstar? 20. What? Yeah. Hey, man, represent. That's too fast. That's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, figure it out in my head, like, how I would go about trying to, like, do it quickly. Oh, <laughs> so like, if, you say, uh, if you say Jesus Christ Superstar, I see five, six right away. Jesus Christ. I like see the word and then superstar. I would see like four uh, or uh, five, four. So nine. So I would go uh, five, six, nine. The problem with this game is that you have to spend the time seeing and spelling the word yourself and trying to count the letters before you ask them, which takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> and then you ask him and he just spits it out like a, like a receipt machine. Um, can we, we got one more, and then we're gonna button this thing up. I'm I'm pulling the pin on this. Apocalypse. Wait, I didn't. Uh, Eleven. Oh, it's ten. It's ten. <laughs> it's ten. <laughs> See, you correct yourself before I can even count them and verify. Whatever. 
I should have been with your hands after Jesus Christ Superstar. Go okay, and just get up, and I should have gotten up and walked away. Yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you redeem yourself. Nuclear warhead. Yeah, uh, fourteen. He passed the test, guys. He passed the test. All right, guys. And yeah. and on that bombshell, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. So, Paul, you were a pro. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for having me. Big fan, big fan. Keep doing what you're doing. This is really good for uh, guys our age to be able to listen to this stuff and just, you know, we're all going through a pretty tough season in our lives, right? Trying to be actual adults. That's where we're at, guys. We're adults. There's no, like, dads that we get to ask. Like, it's it's us now, right? So to be able to listen to this stuff and just see, like, what are other dudes doing and uh knowing you have a community out there is wonderful so keep doing what you're uh, doing thank you well for said paul thanks it, paul. can't wait to well have you said, back man. franks and ron let's do it again yeah i can't wait for it boys thanks for this thanks so much for joining us today guys we hope you like what the grass cutter social club is putting out there we can't wait to see you guys again in about a month with a new inductee to the grass cutter social club if you enjoyed what you heard be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast for any future updates. And share with your friends who you think might also enjoy our pod. If you want to follow us on social media, check us out on Instagram at Grasscutter Social Club. Cheers, and until next time, take care.